Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. Start the It stopped raining. We had a lot of rain, but that was right. California had rain. So much half the state, they say, is out of the drought. And uh, Governor Newsom's really leaning into it. His new campaign slogan is, Newsom, he'll make you wet. <laughs> the ladies know what I'm talking about. Huh? No, I'm... <laughs> also, uh, Tuesday, a couple of days ago, the California's COVID emergency ended. So that's nice. So if you have a friend who is still living like a prisoner, it's because they tried to quit Scientology. That's <laughs> nothing to do with COVID anymore. <laughs> yeah, COVID, big in the news there. The Department of Energy said that they uh, think it was most likely that it did come from the lab, the Wuhan lab. I mean, this has been a, I've said from the beginning, should not be political. Let's just find out the science. But that's what the FBI says that. Some people say that it could have leaked from the lab. And uh, this is a big story. The, the, the manager at the Wuhan uh, bat on a stick today said... <laughs> Where do I go to get my reputation back? You know? I... But, but we don't know. That's the thing. We don't know. Stop politicizing everything. We're so arrogant. They know. You don't fucking know. Nobody knows. Even the Department of Energy, which said they think this is happening, they said, we're reporting this with low confidence. (laughs) Then why say anything, low confidence? Well, you know what? (laughs) You work for the government. We have that for you, too. Okay? (laughs) Uh, But 
set meeting. What, what, so what, they were staring at their shoes when they said it? We, well, we, um, we think it might have... might have come from the lab, but, you know... I don't know. We, we got a lot of shit wrong. We, we, or what is it? They're talking like a valley girl? Um, it came from the lab? I, um, and then people got sick and stuff? I'm, our, our government... So, you know, the Republicans have taken over the House now. So the ethics committee there, uh, they're investigating AOC because of that dress she wore at the Met Gala. Remember that? Uh, the tax the rich dress. There's something about improper gifts or whatever it is. Younger viewers who are watching this show <laughs> might need to know that this is not the first time the Democrats have had a scandal that involved a dress with something on it. Uh, and... So here's a real scandal. Now, Ron DeSantis, who could be the Republican nominee, he's out in California this weekend working the crowd. Back in his home state of Florida, a Republican representative there is trying to make bloggers register if they write shit about Republicans. Okay, I have some real mixed feelings about this. One, this is an outrageous violation of the free speech. On the other hand, I hate bloggers. (laughs) Uh, So... But... uh, (laughs) DeSantis is skipping CPAC. That's the big Republican... Well, I guess it's conservative, but it's all Republicans, of course. Convention they have every year. But, of course, the big star... Guess who? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Donald Trump spoke. It's in Maryland. And I don't get this about Republicans. They they wheel out this grotesque peroxide blonde. (laughs) (laughs) Under five pounds of makeup. But the thing they're most upset about is Drag Queen Story Hour. I I don't get that. (laughs) And, uh, but they are. This is a big thing with the Republicans. Boy, they they do not like that Drag Queen Story Hour. The the, the governor of Tennessee, a guy named William Lee, is banning drag shows within a thousand feet of parks or schools or places of worship. I could not agree more. There's no place at a place of worship for dress-up. And, well, (laughs) speaking of that, remember that Canadian shop teacher with the... uh, There she is, Kyla Lemieux. We don't know what's going on here, but she's a, a teacher at the school, and uh, with a lot of controversy, obviously, a lot of controversy that she would come to school like that. Well, finally, she has been removed from the school. Uh, <laughs> they, they would have done it sooner, but they couldn't get her through the door. Okay. We've got a great show. We have Russell Brand and John Heilman. First up, he is the independent senator from Vermont and author of the new book, It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism. Senator Bernie Sanders is on. So what does that tell you, that the people are with you, that it's okay to be angry about capitalism? There you go. And, and uh, I, we're not shocked that that is the title of your book. I mean, that has been your theme. 
Um, I, I wanted to ask you, what is better? I know you are a socialist. You're the first socialist in the Senate, or I guess you call a democratic socialist. But America already has a degree of socialism. Don't most sophisticated countries have a quasi-system? It's, we are part capitalist, we are part socialist. Isn't it right about getting the right mix? You don't it want is. to get rid of all... Cap- no, that, that's exactly right. But the point of the book is that right now we have more income and wealth inequality in America than we've ever had. Three people own more wealth than the bottom half of American society. Who are these people? Uh, our friend Mr. Musk, uh, Bill Gates... Uh, who's the third guy? Uh, Bezos. Bezos, of course. Right. All right, so you got three guys who are more wealth than the bottom half of American society. You now have CEOs making 400 times more than their average workers of large corporations. Unprecedented. That's number one. Number two, you have more concentration of ownership. In sector after sector, whether it's agriculture, whether it's transportation, whether it's financial services, you have fewer and fewer large corporations controlling the economy. You got three Wall Street investment firms, BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, that control over $20 trillion. That is an extraordinary amount of money. So you have an incredible concentration of ownership. Three, you got a political system today, and you make this point all of the time, which is corrupt. And that is since Citizens United, especially, billionaires now can spend unlimited hundreds of millions of dollars to buy elections. They want to take on people they don't like. They want to support people they like. That's a corrupt political system. You got them. Now, you add all that up, Bill. You add all of that up. What do you end up with? You end up with a country which is moving rapidly into an oligarchic form of society. Middle class declines. Rich get richer. And we've got to start... But I, I hear you all the time say, you know, the, the rich don't pay their fair share. Now, maybe that's true of those three guys you mentioned. They are pretty rich. Um, they are very rich. But <laughs> I guess I'm not very rich, but I pay more than half. I mean, California is 13.3%, and the federal is 37% local as well. for people who make over 250K. I barely make a little over. <laughs> um... Well, I work three jobs. What can I say? It's a uh, night shift. It really is. It's the driving the Uber that kills me. But, um, <laughs> but okay, so, and then there's the state and local and property taxes. Yeah. So I, I, I don't remember the last year I paid less. The government, and again, I, I'm philosophically kind of with you. I've always said flu, wealth is a fluke. So I don't ever be like, oh, you know, I, I deserve all this. I mean, I did work hard, but it is kind of a fluke what we reward to make someone right. So philosophically, I get it. I'm okay with giving back, but... The government's taking more than half, and you want more? Well, it depends on your income level, yeah. If you are Bezos... More uh, than half? Yeah, absolutely more than half. Look, the rich are getting richer. What's happening to the working class in this country? What's going on right now, and this is quite incredible in the richest country in the history of the world. Over 60% of our people today are living paycheck to paycheck. We got a health care system, which everybody knows is broken, only major country on earth not to guarantee health care to all people, 85 million people uninsured or underinsured. You got a child care system, which is an absolute disgrace. You got 45 million people having student debt. You have 30,000 people in this city alone, Los Angeles, sleeping out on the streets. So how does taking more taxes, though, help the person who's living paycheck to paycheck? That we just give them money? No, you don't give... Well, I mean, you know, during the uh, heart of the COVID 
uh, crisis. Right. Uh, I helped author a bill, which did, in fact, in that crisis, put $1,400 for every man, woman, and child in this country. And that was very helpful at that moment. But the solution, Bill, you want to ask what we do? I'll tell you what you do. You make public colleges mm. and universities tuition-free so every kid in this country knows they have a th- the opportunity to go to college. Wow. But here's the point. It's not only more money. It's taking on the greed of the oligarchs. We're spending twice as much as Canada for health care right now. They manage to cover every man, woman, and child. You've got to take on the greed of the insurance companies through yes. Medicare for all. But, I mean... I have to disagree with you about the college thing. It's a point I've made here many times. I don't think the answer is everyone goes to college. Because right. I mean, no, most college that. is bullshit. And I just think the answer is much more make college unnecessary. There are a number of governors around the country who are doing this. Uh, the governor in Pennsylvania, uh, governor of Maryland, they have made federal, the, the jobs in their government, their state jobs, you don't need the college degree anymore. Well, I'll tell you what else. And I'm not disagreeing with you. I mean, many, there are many jobs which do need a higher education. Absolutely. But I'll tell you that. We passed an infrastructure bill to rebuild our crumbling infrastructure. You know what? We don't have enough sheet metal workers. We don't have enough in this country electricians. We don't have enough plumbers. We have to give those people who are good with their hands the opportunity to get the training they need to go out and make but a good I, I know this... <clears throat> I know you you were advocating at the Supreme Court, I think it was last week, right? Because, or maybe it was this week, that the the Supreme Court is looking at Biden's giveaway to people who own, who debt. Giveaway is your term, not my term. Well, we are, they have college debt. Okay, and we're going to give them money. We're going to forgive debt. Well, we're, (laughs) we're arguing about the same thing, but there was no argument. We're giving the money away. Okay, so I just want to read you this. Again, this is against why people sometimes, I think, question some of what you're saying. Uh, This is a survey, student loan forgiveness recipients. 73% of applicants say they are likely to spend their extra money on non-essential, including vacations, smartphone, drugs, and alcohol. They they admitted that to the pollster. Who is this pollster? NBC News. Um, 52% they are very likely or likely to buy new clothing. 46% they would use the money for vacation and eat out at restaurants. This is why people have a thing about, I, I would never call it free money. Oh, I guess I just did. But, um... Well, I, I mean, let me respond to that in two ways, Bill. You talk about giveaways. Under Trump, the Congress voted for a trillion dollars in tax breaks for the richest people in this money, in this country, and the largest corporations. That's a giveaway. We yeah. just increased military spending with very little discussion, I don't know if you know this, by $80 billion. Military-industrial complex... Including the Democrats. Pardon they, me? The Democrats vote for it, too. Yes, absolutely correct. Absolutely yeah. right. All right. But that's socialism, the military. That's crony socialism. Well, that's... Right? Crony capitalism. But, but the but, military uh, isn't capitalism. That's, that's the government. No, but it's who owns the military-industrial complexes. All right, but anyhow... Right. All right. So when you talk about giveaways, you have major corporations in this country that make billions in profit, don't pay a nickel in taxes. Billionaires have an effective tax rate lower than that of a truck driver or a nurse. You have a generation. You talk about this younger generation right now. I got around the country and I talked to a lot of people. You know, I don't know anything about that poll, but I can tell you, I've talked to nurses who are working their asses off, doing the right thing. 
They leave school $70,000. They can't afford now to get married and have children. They can't afford the housing that they desperately need. So the truth is you've got a generation that everything being equal, the younger generation will have a lower standard of living than their parents. You and I, and I'm a little older than you, can remember 50 years ago, what did it cost to go to the University of California? Remember? 50 bucks? 50, yeah. 500. Virtually free. City yeah. University of New York. Right. Virtually free. And right well, now, these young people are leaving school deeply in debt. They're struggling economically. They deserve a break. It, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, in the, but in the, in the book, you say you feel like the Democratic Party... Uh, and you, you take your shots at them, and you know you're not—you caucus with them, and you run as one, but you're not completely part of them. Right. Uh, you say they feel like they're uh, abandoned their cause to the beautiful people. Who are the beautiful people? I'm guessing it's hey, not Bill. us. Hey, <laughs> Bill, you're looking really beautiful tonight here in L.A. <laughs> Me? <laughs> Thank you, Bernie. <laughs> well, here's the point. Here, the point that I was making is. When FDR was president, when Truman was president, even when JFK was president, you go out on the street and you say to people, which party represents the working class of America? Most people, I think, agree, would have said the Democratic Party. Correct. All right. Today you go out on the street and that is not the sentiment. In fact, the Republican Party probably has more adherence than, than the Democrats. How did that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. It happened because 30 years ago the Democrats said, hey... Republicans are getting all this corporate money. We want it, too. Let's go out and get it. And let's forget about the people who are working 50 or 60 hours a week. So you're sitting out there somewhere in the Midwest. You can't afford health care. Maybe your job went to China and you're earning half of what you used to make. Your kid can't afford to go to college. And you're looking at people on television doing all of their stuff, and you are saying, who the hell gives a damn about me? All right? Who cares? what my life is about, who's addressing the crises facing my life, the pain that I'm experiencing. We have something, I don't know if you're familiar with the expression, it's called diseases of despair. Of course. All right. And what the doctors tell us, we have a life expectancy above and beyond COVID, which is in decline. It's in decline because people feel hopeless, their jobs are taking them nowhere, worried about their kids, and they're turning to alcohol, drugs, and even suicide. All right. We've got to restore hope to the American people. Working class are the majority of people in this country. They are hurting. After 50 years of exploding technology, they're earning less than they did than they, than they did before. All right? You sound like you're running again. Third, <laughs> no? Third no, time, I'm just third, talking about the book here. Third but, time the charm? You, people usually write a book when they're about to run. Well. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Bernie. I appreciate you being here. All right. Great to see you. Bernie Sanders, let's meet our panel. Okay. Hey. All right. Here they are. He is the host and executive producer of Showtime's The Circus, a national affairs analyst for MSNBC. John Heilman is over here. And he's the actor and comedian who hosts Stay Free with Russell Brand on Rumble and whose latest stand-up special, Brandemic, premieres March 13th. Russell Brand! A rock star comedian. Okay, so I mentioned the ca California ended our COVID emergency. I, I walked in the building today, and for the first time in I don't know how long, the guard did not have a mask on. 
uh, for a while, we haven't had to wear masks because the, the germs know who the celebrities are, you know. <laughs> but the guard did. Um, so I feel like we're entering this phase now with COVID where we are in a period of... We can have perspective. We can look back. It's over. And so there's been a number of studies recently that have come out about things like natural immunity, mask wearing, lockdowns, and, of course, the big one this week about the lab leak theory. Um, I feel like the people who are the dissenters are looking pretty good. I was one of them. I remember getting a lot of shit from a lot of places. I, somebody dug this up for me this week. Uh, the Daily Beast. <laughs> Daily Beast. Uh, had a headline, Bill Maher pushes Steve Bannon Wuhan lab COVID conspiracy. Yes, it was just Steve Bannon. Well, it was, you know, the former head of the CDC, it's the FBI, it's the Energy Department. We don't know. Like I said, we shouldn't politicize it. But would you agree that the dissenters are looking better these days? You're on my team, right? Bill, (laughs) as a matter of fact, I am. And I think dissent is a great duty around all topics, and partisanship, as we've just heard eloquently described by the great senator that you interviewed, ultimately leads us into cul-de-sacs culturally. What I feel is that we were too desperate to shut down conversation in a state of escalated fear. We were unwilling to ironically listen to science. Science does not exist objectively. It exists within a subset of capitalist agenda. And the problem I feel that we had is that only experimentation was taking place that was beneficial to certain interests, only arguments were being advanced that were beneficial to certain interests, only regulations were being imposed that were beneficial to certain interests. The Wuhan lab leak theory being just one example. Fauci himself was seriously considering that this was a likely origin for the virus. It seems now... How could it not be a possibility... It's a, it's a lab in Wuhan yeah. where the virus started that studied the virus and was doing gain-of-function research on the virus. How could it not be... Have you any idea how wet that market was? It was soaking wet. That market was covered in sputum. It was an accident waiting to happen. You may think the Wuhan Institute well, of Virology is a hotbed of coronaviruses, <laughs> but have you been down that wet market? People come staggering out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Get me to the Stay away from the wet market, they say. They're having a wild time in the Institute of Virology, but when they're down the wet market, gloves on. Time to be cautious. That's where the real risks take place. I want to compliment, I want to compliment Russell. He's, I, I've never been able to figure out how to get the word sputum into a, into a, into a political talk show before, but that was, very, that was excellent. Thank you very much. Was, I mean, it was, a, it was actually, I believe, actually appropriately used, too. I only use the word sputum and the substance appropriately, John. You'll learn this about me over the evening. <laughs> <laughs> here's the, here's, okay. here's the, but, here's the, but here's the thing about this. I mean, I got to say, look, there are two things to say about it. One is, Energy Department says the lab. I agree with you. Like, I thought the, the lab was always a thing where it could have been, where it could have come from. And the idea that we had to, we ruled that out, which we'll get to in a second as to why, but you still have, I think, eight intelligence agencies. You have two now, the FBI and the Energy Department, that say the lab. Okay. You have four. Yep. You, you have just, all I'm saying is, to your point, we don't know. You have four that still think the wet market. And you've got two who say they don't know. And we'll never know. So it's, we don't know. It's the Kennedy assassination. But, but why? We're going to be arguing about it in 50 years. Well, si- science would like to know for a variety of reasons. And I think people will still do serious research on this and try to figure it out because it's important to, uh, to not make sure that the same thing doesn't happen again. But I will say, if you go back to that time, why did people 
seize on the notion that that reject the lab leak theory because like everything else in COVID, Donald Trump politicized it from day one. His thing in that first two weeks was Kung flu. And it was not just that it started in a lab, but that like the Chinese had it released it on the world, that it was like a bioweapon. This wasn't a leak. It was just not like there was an accident in the lab. The notion that was put forward by the administration in some cases was that, was that it was in his political interest to make China the villain. If it's a lab, whether it was a lab leak or whether it was in the wet market, can we all agree that likely it was an accident? And that's what Donald Trump, yeah. by, by going to, yeah. this, is a, this was an act of terror in some way against well, us. It politicized the issue as he politicized everything else about COVID unhelpful. So everybody else had discussion. to take his bait well, and, and then double down on stupid? No, well, I, I'm, I mean, that's I'm not for, I'm, just, that's hey, I'm not, I'm not for, I'm not for stupid. I'm just trying okay. to say, hey, it got politicized, and you're right if, you, if it would have been better if we hadn't politicized it, to Russell's point. So, um... There's a tennis player, Novak Djokovic. He's like the best player ever. He's ever so good at tennis. He's dedicated his life to it. What's right. your point, sir? He can't. <laughs> he... <laughs> oh, you should see him oh. play tennis. He he cannot. He right can... over the net it he, goes. He cannot. <laughs> uh, he cannot get into America. No. He'd like to be playing at the. Uh, I think it's coming up the Miami Open or something. He is unvaccinated, but he's had COVID twice. See, this again, natural immunity. Something we always used to understand was like better than the actual vaccine. Somehow that got to be reversed. But I, the, the the head of the Miami tournament. I, I read a quote for him. <laughs> yesterday, he's, he's trying to get Djokovic in, uh, and he said, uh, there doesn't seem to be any imminent danger. Imminent danger of a man playing tennis, of a man who's had it twice standing al- alone, a sport where you're alone, in the middle of a stadium outside, in a country where everyone's already had it. No imminent danger. This country is stuck on stupid. It just is. <laughs> Bill, it seems that (laughs) it's not solely the responsibility of Donald Trump that this issue has become politicised. When we take the issue of natural immunity, the efficacy of masks, it's difficult not to posit that perhaps increasingly a centralised authority becomes subject to inquiry that is never before faced because of the advancement of technology, because of our immediate ability to communicate. They are doubling down on on authoritarianism. And this example, I think, is a good one. Similarly, it's difficult, I think, John, for us to condemn what we might regard as the right of politicising this issue when we're just having a reasonable conversation about the way these regulations are rightly changing after a considerable amount of time around emergent evidence around uh, natural immunity, vitamin D, steroids, mask yeah. of efficacy, the likelihood they emerge from a laboratory, to sort of somehow cling to Donald Trump as the source of the problem. At some point, we're going to have to transcend these differences. Otherwise, legitimate political figures that genuinely care about ordinary Americans are going to find themselves lost in a party co-opted by financial interests and military-industrial complex interests and unable to have a meaningful voice. Sooner or later, we have to transcend and send those arguments. Well, I'll just say one more thing about the pharma part of it. Um, Purdue Pharma, you're familiar, there's a terrific movie, Michael Keaton movie, <coughs> Dope Sick, that was about... Oh, yes. OK. Uh, and this is if all... you need an opioid, Purdue Pharma will sell you them at a reasonable price, whether you need them or not. <laughs> <laughs> 
I should add, yeah. these opioids can be quite Moorish and even, some would say, addictive. So do be cautious. And, and you were there. You, you, were, you were there, right? I mean, and there was a time where I did become a little bit dependent on heroin. Thankfully, Purdue were not operating in my country, so I may not be here now, and I'm very grateful that I am. Well, <laughs> and we are too. <laughs> and there, there's something called hillbilly heroin. That's, ah. that's called OxyContin. Yes. And that's what they were pushing. But I just, in October 2020, when the Justice Department announced Purdue Pharma pleaded guilty to felony charges of defrauding federal agencies, violating anti-kickback laws, marketing op opioids to hundreds of doctors that it suspected were writing illegal prescriptions and then lying about it to the DEA. <laughs> so they got slapped with an $8.3 billion fine. I'm just, my last question is just the cognitive dissonance that I see, that people see, oh, my God, the pharmaceutical industry is capable of doing this. But when it comes to COVID, no questions asked. It just does seem weird. Bill, if I may well, say... Well, I'll let him answer that Oh, I'll let John do it. Well... Yeah, you have a turn. Yeah. See, if you... <laughs> John, I'll offer you this challenge. Get the word sputum into your answer for bonus points. <laughs> I've been sitting here, I've been sitting here thinking about that the entire time. I could tell, because yeah, I'm looking below uh, the desk. And I oh! oh! <laughs> here we go. You know, I, look, I, the, we have a complicated relationship with the pharmaceutical industry. Anybody who's ever had a, uh, a, a family member who's had cancer um, and, and seen what uh, life-saving drugs can do for people. It also I, may have given it to them. It, it, it may have, but that's actually kind of my. But this is actually kind of my point. Here, is like the, the reality is right. that like if you have a black and white point of view, the pharmaceutical industry right. is engaged in a giant yeah. conspiracy to fuck us all over. You are denying the reality no. that many people have, have lives been saved by those drugs. If you say that the pharmaceutical industry has no right. has is, is incapable of error or or no. mal or, mal or malign behavior, you're equally an idiot. The right. reality is that in a capitalist society, there are going to be companies that seeking profit yeah. will do things that are incredibly innovative and good so just and do things that are incredibly terrible and, 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 and right. exploitive. That's just... That seems like the right position to have, I agree. Right? Let's just be skeptical. Great. Right, OK. And, and yeah, that's across the board. Sure. All right, uh, moving on. Bill, um, yes. out of respect for you and your show, <laughs> I've brought some facts. <laughs> Would you... <laughs> if you'd like, well, they're well, actually... You just, you just get the fuck <laughs> out of here. This thought, is not the place. No, like no, 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 we do. No, we love they, facts. I love facts. I wouldn't have mentioned it. I'm English, and you know that politeness is our fundamental religion. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they do pertain to this issue. So may I say some please, of them? Please, if they inconvenience you, you I I, I'll stop saying them. The pandemic created at least 40 new far, big pharma billionaires. Pharmaceutical corporations like Moderna and Pfizer made $1,000 of profit every second from the COVID-19 <laughs> vaccine. More than well. two-thirds of Congress received campaign funding from pharmaceutical companies in the 2020 election. Pfizer chairman Albert Baller told Time magazine in July 2020 that his company was developing a COVID vaccine for the good of humanity, not for money. And, of course, Pfizer made $100 billion but, okay. in profit right. in 2022. Right. And, and may I just mention, finally, and these are, this is also a fact, that you, the American public, funded the development of that. The German fund, public funded the BioNTech vaccine. When it came to the profits, they took the profits. When it came to the funding, you paid for the funding. It's difficult not okay, to... But I, I We'll just add one thing. It is possible that these are greedy capitalists who made a lot of money, yes. and also there are a lot of people who did need the vaccine. Yes. I'm there are a lot fearing. of people who did need the vaccine. I, I did, never wanted to be told I was one of them right. who had to take it, but there are lots of people who needed that vaccine and would be dead without it. That's that a, is true, too. Bill. 
That is true, too. More facts. All I'm querying is this. Yes. Is if you have right. an economic system in which pharmaceutical companies benefit hugely from medical emergencies, where a military-industrial okay. complex benefits from war, where energy companies benefit from energy crises, you are going to These generate right. states of perpetual crisis yes. where the interests of ordinary and, and, people well, yes. and, separate from the interests of the elite. And cottage industries. And, and Bill... Once you create an industry like, like checking you, I still get checked to see if I have COVID because it's a cottage industry. People started making money by sending a nurse to my house, and now no one wants to give up that gravy train. Not, anyway. You've not got anything against cottages, though, have you? No. Because I'm English, and I, the cottage I, is one I don't of our know. proudest traditions. Are you... I don't know if, if, if you're on TikTok, but uh, I, I cannot get enough of watching dogs do mischievous things. It's just adorable. <laughs> But I found out this week, there's actually a dark side to TikTok. They're completely rotting the brains of an entire generation of people. And worse than that, they apparently now have the ability to get young girls to think that older men are actually teenagers talking to them. I saw this. Can you show this picture? This is, this is what you can do. Look at this guy. That's how what he really looks like. And then you can, with the filters, talk to somebody looking like this. Not this guy in particular. Don't write him. <laughs> So we thought as a public service, we would, in case you're on TikTok and you're a young girl watching this show, you'll see this. Uh, be careful, because there are signs that the teenager you're talking to might actually be an older man. Would you like to hear some of these? Okay, like... <laughs> Uh, when you ask him to talk dirty, he says, I hear Kevin Costner may leave Yellowstone. That's... Uh, when you ask if he's ever gone viral, he says once on To Catch a Predator. That's, uh... <laughs> Boy, these pictures of these guys are... <laughs> when he brags about his dick, he says he's hung like Milton Berle. Well, that's a... That is a giveaway. Uh, he, he... <laughs> he asks you where you were when Reagan was shot. <laughs> His idea of an influencer is Dale Carnegie. Uh, he knows the three branches of government. Well, there, that's a giveaway right there. Um, the BuzzFeed survey he's excited about is which Jake and the Fat Man character are you? Uh, on the bookshelf behind him, you can see a framed Dilbert cartoon. <laughs> He mails you a dick pic. Uh, and there's a nameplate on his desk that says Congressman Matt Gates. <laughs> All right, so... Um, speaking of the kids, Fox is ghosting Donald Trump. They're not using that word, that's my word, but they were talking about shadow banning... Uh, they're not apparently putting him on anymore. This is a giant sea change in, I think, politics. Obviously, the media in this country rules politics. Uh, Rupert Murdoch was under oath this week in that defamation suit for the Dominion voting people. Under oath. He, t he said he knew his hosts, his, the hosts of Fox News, were endorsing the fraudulent lie that Trump had won the election. He said... This is, quote, we would have liked us... To, I would have liked us to be stronger in, hi, in hindsight. He's 90. How, how long do you have to live before you... <laughs> hindsight... <laughs> if I was just a little older and more experienced, I would have seen this. 
But what do you think about this? To, to many people, uh, it has been evident for quite a long time that Fox News is not a news network in any meaningful sense. You don't have news networks where, uh, or uh, Sean, where you have like a network anchors who get to go and endorse candidates. Um, you can say what you want about MSNBC right. or CNN, but that's not allowed there. Sean Hannity is at, but they we, do. We, we go to we go we go to events. I mean, I've never. There's no news network, no anchor at CNN or MSNBC who's ever appeared on stage at a campaign rally not, not a, with a presidential camp, candidate and endorsed them publicly. It's never happened. Okay. But, so. That, but we that, know who they're we, for. Well, having ideological bias is not against right. the rules. Right. But a news network that has people who are passing, as Murdoch also admitted in that uh, deposition, that he would give the Trump campaign heads up on what the Biden ad strategy was and give them previews. He admitted himself to being uh, someone who was working hand in glove with the Trump administration rather than uh, ostensibly trying to run a news network. So a lot of people have said for a long time that Fox News isn't a real news network. It's a propaganda network. It's now all out there. It's all in the Dominion suit. They knew that uh, Donald Trump's claims of election fraud were bullshit. They knew that, the, that they were horrified by what happened on 1-6. We now know that all of the major anchors, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, the ones who stood, stood up all day long and said, there's voter fraud, there's voter fraud, this was a fa fraudulent election. At, in real time, we're saying, this is fucking bullshit. We shouldn't be saying this. It's amazing. And there's, it's the most clear, open and shut case of just... The, the reality that a lot of people have seen for a long time being laid out in black and white on the page, and, and, the, and it has caused an enormous now, an enormous uh, existential crisis for Fox News, is, is which there, is why there, you see no them saying, uh, we need to stay away from fucking Donald Trump now and go and run into the arms of Ron DeSantis, um, meatball Ron. As, um, as Th There's called. no equivalent of Fox News in, in the UK, is there? There's no requirement, Bill. There's no requirement for uh, an equivalent. We have a monarchy still. I think... Look, <laughs> I yes, think you do. If I may say so. And you insist on living in your home country as opposed to a normal celebrity who would have moved here. I mean, even your Prince Harry and Princess Meghan have moved here. What is wrong with you? I will not be drawn on the subject of the division in the royal family out of respect for the late Queen. <laughs> now, I will say... <clears throat> I will say... John, I've not known you long, but mm. I love you already. But I have to say that it's, <laughs> it's disingenuous to claim that the biases that are exhibited on Fox News are any different from the biases exhibited on MSNBC. It's difficult to suggest that's, that's... that these corporations operate as anything other than mouthpieces for their affiliate owners in BlackRock and Vanguard. And, and unless we start to embrace... And, and also, mate, like, just spiritually, if I may use that word in your great country, we have to take responsibility <laughs> for our own perspective. I, I've been on that MSNBC, yeah, mate. It was right. propagandist nutcrackery yeah. on there. Many, you, I went on the show called Morning Joe. Yeah. It was absurd the way they carried <laughs> Good on. Good morning, Joe. Yes. Yeah, it, I don't it. know what it was. It wasn't morning. There was no-one called Joe there. No-one could concentrate. They didn't understand the basic tenets of journalism. No-one was willing to stick up for genuine American heroes uh, like Edward Snowden. No-one was willing to talk about Julian Assange and what he suffered trying to bring real journalism to the American people and I think to sit within the castle of MSNBC throwing rocks oh. at Fox News is ludicrous. My friend, make my MSNBC friend, better. My make friend, MSNBC my friend, great my friend, again. My friend, I would love. I would. The moment the moment. Russell, Russell, darling, um, the moment that you give me a specific example 
An actual example. Okay, I'll give you oh, one. Right, just wait, just wait, 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 wait. Just specific examples. Let me tell you what the specific I'd like to hear of. I'd like to hear a specific example, a provable specific example of an MSNBC correspondent or anchor being on television saying something they knew was false and were saying behind the scenes to people, this is, I'm about to go out and we know that we know that the election wasn't stolen You've or something equivalent, example. but I will go, I but I will go saying. out, but I will go out on television and say the okay. opposite. I will lie. When's I'll, my answer? Wait, wait, give, just give me a, give me the specific example. I understand the basic okay. point. Give me a specific I, 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 example. I, 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 all right, all right. I'm with you. I think it's a false equivalency, Russell. It's a false equivalency. It's not I, about bias. It's a false equivalency because you don't <clears> actually know anything about any of these organizations you're talking about. Even on MSNBC ones. Big fucking deal. My darling, you, it was more than enough. With, you can't come it up with such a you don't have a single, You have a single actual Trump. fact. Do you want an example? Yeah, Do you yes. want an example? Yes. The ludicrous, outrageous criticisms of Joe Rogan around ivermectin, re deliberately referring to it as a horse medicine when they know it's an effective medicine. Yeah, that, that's what not a Rachel Maddow turning up on the TV saying, if you take well, this vaccine, you're not going to get it, when it hadn't been clinically trialed for transition. You have to listen. Wait, Do you think you can improve America by determinedly and avowedly condemning Fox News without acknowledging that you're participating in the same game? I'm... Did you not? just listen to Bernie Sanders, <laughs> someone who plainly, legitimately believes in this country and believes it's possible to change, but is bound by corruption, is bound by the lobbying system. Surely it's clear to you, Bill, as one of the great pundits and experts and comic voices, that systemic change is required. Money has to be taken out of politics. We need new political systems that genuinely represent ordinary Americans so that we can overcome cultural differences. And Bickering about which propagandist network is the worst is not going to save a single American life, not improve the life of a single American child, not going to improve America's standing in the world, and the world needs a strong America. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. So you have an obligation, a duty, not to condemn these people. I, no, I have, a, I have a duty to actually say things that are true. And I'll tell you, when, when Bernie Sanders come back, comes out here for overtime, we can have a conversation with him, ask him whether he thinks that MSNBC and Fox News are the same. Oh, he I can tell you right. Ago. I can tell you right now what the answer to that question is going to be. <laughs> you so don't, in the so let's not let's not cite let's not cite Bernie Sanders as if he agrees right. with this All argument. Right. They're not, they are not the same. Before we they run are not out of, the same. Before we run out of time, and, and while I have you here, because I don't get you here much. I know. Uh, if you want, I'll come round your house and do your podcast. You, yes, you're going to do that. But also, we'll, we'll talk freely, Bill. We'll express ourselves back there. We're not talking, we'll <laughs> we're not talking freely now. We'll definitely smoke. <laughs> but, but I want you're English. I want to ask you about Brexit because I mean we've had big news about Brexit in the last couple of weeks, which is again sort of similar to the pandemic issue. We had something. Now we have some perspective. Sixty-five percent of the British people want to do over. It's regrexit. They wanted to leave the European Union. It sounded like a good idea at the time. And now, listen to this. Their economy is worse than Russia's. Last year, their economy shrunk more than Russia's. So I don't care for your tone. But, <laughs> no, I'm just saying. We're trying our hardest. It was a <laughs> I, like the, I like this argument because it's one that Russell and I are going to agree on. I believe yes, that. Yes, I, I think believe, so. I, I think it didn't seem like a good idea at the time, did it? Do you think Brexit sounded like a good no, idea at the time? No, he was no. not for Brexit. No, that's what I'm saying. You said it sounded like a good idea at the time. I don't think it did. Well, I was being sarcastic. I think that Brexit, Brexit came about as a result of the ongoing vilification of ordinary people. People feeling that they have no authority, that they have no voice. When they were given a binary choice, they saw a, a button marked 
fuck off to the establishment, and many, many people pressed it. Right. Because the fact is that the political establishment does not operate on behalf of the ordinary citizens of my country in much the same way as it does not in your country. And people are disillusioned and dissatisfied. Britain weren't great before Brexit. Britain weren't great during it, and it ain't great now. But I can understand why people are disillusioned with centralised bureaucracies like the EU, because they don't do nothing for ordinary people, and they're disenfranchised, and they want new alternatives. And the ongoing condemnation of ordinary people, particularly when it's 50% of them, doesn't seem like a sensible way to heal a troubled culture to me. But I, but I say... That, that description that, that, that Russell just gave of why people saying being frustrated, being disenfranchised, all of it, which we totally agree about, and saying fuck you, was the same thing they did. did. Obviously, the connection between, the parallel yeah. between that and, and, and electing Donald Trump is clear. People drew that parallel at the time. How did it work out? I mean, yeah, I totally, I, I'm with you on the frustration and the rage and the, and the justified uh, sense of anxiety, all that, that got them to hit that fuck you button. How's it worked out so far for the British? What I would say, John... For the it, British economy, how's it worked out? I don't think that piety and condemnation and judgment of people who understandably I'm not, I'm not, and I'm desperately I'm made not a choice... I'm not because... condemning any people. I'm just asking, did Brexit work out? I, I did it work no, out? No, no. That's, what, that was, that's the that's story. The point. It didn't work. It yes, did, it because didn't work. nothing works for them. Nothing will work because it's tied up by this, because it's systemically tied up, because both parties in our country are fundamentally the same as one another. Neither of them offer meaningful alternatives to ordinary people. And they're bored and they're tired and they're watching now, maybe not on this channel, but later on YouTube, and they're tired of being spoken down to. They're tired of being criticised. Well, they're tired of being told you, that their you, opinions you, don't matter. They you, have to you, be heard. You, you can't... They don't want to be. How'd that okay, work out for you, Sean? You can't say to somebody who was never able to see a doctor after the Democrats passed Obamacare and now can see a doctor and isn't dead because of that. You can't say the parties are, are the same or exactly the same in one party. That's just not true. But Bill, There's lots of people who are alive because they passed that bill. I regard you as an optimistic man. I regard <laughs> you as a patriotic man. Yeah. Why would you invite the people of America that are suffering under penury to accept anything less than the best that this country could achieve? Oh, this, bit, this party is a tiny little bit better. Why don't you shut up well, and get on with your life? Because well, that's not okay, good enough. Being, between, being alive is not just a tiny bit between, better than being Dead. The difference between universal... But what quality of life? The quality but, but, I mean, of life? Don't fall into that rhetorical hole. People are in total despair. You, you, you live wanna, in this city. You you're walking pretend, around looking wanna, into but, people's but, eyes. But, you want to pretend like the difference between universal health care and not having health care insurance in this country is a trivial difference? John, if you're asking me, do I absolutely reject the paradigm of your sewn-up, stitched-up, lobbied-for, bought-out, corrupt political <laughs> system, then I'm telling you I do. If you're asking me, do I believe that American people deserve better, I'm telling you that I do. Is it possible? Of course. Know, when we awaken together, but, 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 when we reject this paradigm, a... and every time you say it's better to be alive or dead, sit down and say thank you for the corruption, you're telling American people that it ain't possible for it to improve. I and know. you're better than that, Bill. Well, I believe actually, you. Yeah. I, I think you're better than He's better. Than He's the one who's the only superior being at the I, table. I, I, I love that you're an idealist. Yes. But again, it's a, you have the luxury of being an idealist because you're not the one who needs health care and didn't have it and then has it. I mean, it's that kind of thing. Do you know where I'm from? You, you talk for the common person. That's where I'm but from. But it's the common person who says, thank you that I can see a doctor now. And yes, uh, humanity only advances in incremental stages. We can't get it all at once. I know it would be so much greater if we could get it all at once, but we can't. Got to move on. New rules, everybody. <laughs>
Behind the new Property Brothers cartoon, have to answer one question. Have you ever met a child? <laughs> I avoid them myself, but I'm pretty sure they're not into flipping real estate. <laughs> this raises so many more questions than I'd have answers. Like, why does mommy watch it by herself in the tub? Neural, stop showing me pictures of that giant Jesus statue in Rio being struck by lightning. It's not a sign from God. It's what happens when you leave stuff out in the rain. (laughs) And it's Jesus, not Frankenstein. No matter how many times it gets zapped with electricity, it's not coming back to life. And I live in America where Jesus is already too much of a lightning rod. New rule, the Australian woman who got a womb transplant from her mother so she could have her daughter must realize this would not be a touching story in reverse. (laughs) If a guy told a doctor, I'd like like you to use my dad's penis to bone my son. (laughs) It would not be heartwarming. It would be an award-winning children's book. (laughs) Neural, when appointing to federal top federal officials, it's okay to exclude the ones who look like Batman villains. (laughs) This is former Energy Department official Sam Brinton, who we all defended as totally not a weirdo, just a guy who likes women's clothing until it turned out he likes to steal people's luggage at airports and then wear their clothing. (laughs) And I'm sorry, but I believe the technical term for that is weirdo. (laughs) New rule, let's just skip the Oscars and give best picture to everything, everywhere, all at once. Then we can put it in our Netflix queues with all the other movies we said we watched but never did. <laughs> like Coda, Nomadland, Moonlight, Mank, Reticence, Whiplash, Minari, and Birdman. And if you just said, hey, I did watch those, sorry, haha, Reticence doesn't exist. <laughs> and finally, New Row, let's put a trigger warning on trigger warnings. A new study from Flinders University analyzed a dozen other studies on trigger warnings, and they all came to the same conclusion. They don't work. Not only don't they protect your feelings, but if you actually have been traumatized by something they're warning you about, a trigger warning makes it worse. It's like if seatbelts were made out of broken glass. (laughs) It winds up just being a reenactment of the old joke, how do you keep a pussy in suspense? I'll tell you later. Now, for those of you who have been living on an offshore oil rig for the last 10 years and don't know what I'm talking about, a trigger warning is a kind of close your eyes, here comes an ouchie. (laughs) That, like so many bad ideas in recent years, got started on college campuses. Students started demanding them so they could get ready in case something in a book or a piece of art 
or a history lesson reminded them that life included bad things and not just good, and sometimes people were mean. (laughs) You can't have that just sprung on you. (laughs) Several universities in recent years have even compiled lists of words we should be warned about to get rid of altogether, including balls to the wall, (laughs) no can do, you guys, master, white paper, man in the middle, jip, off the reservation, peanut gallery, insane, and virgin. Virgin? (laughs) We can't say virgin as opposed to what? Person experiencing not getting laid? (laughs) You would think that one would take the care, the cake for the oversensitivity, but the students at Brandeis said, hold my baby bottle. They made a list of expressions they don't want to hear because they remind them of violence. Terms like killing it, beating a dead horse, and yes, even trigger warning. (laughs) I guess they don't teach irony in college anymore. Anyway, at some point, the trigger warning escaped from campus and got out into the real world, and now they're everywhere. Warnings at the top of Reddit threads and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram posts. Warnings before your favorite serial killer series, before news articles. Disney put an advisory on the movie Dumbo. Warning viewers about stereotypes, because otherwise you might think it was a documentary about flying elephants. <laughs> Turner Classic Movies still wants to show you classic movies, but before we do, first there are a few parts we'd like you to feel really bad about. (laughs) Now enjoy the show. Theaters do it now, too. The storied Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis tipped off their crowd that a play included simulated gunshots, strobe lights, and haze. Haze. (laughs) In case you've been groped by a thick fog. A theater in Brooklyn alerted the audience to expect moments of darkness and violence, and this was for Oklahoma. (laughs) My senior class in high school put on Oklahoma, and I thought it was corny and provincial then. I cannot... I cannot imagine the fragility of someone who needs to be warned about it. How do these people get to the airport, let alone through childhood? London's Globe Theatre felt the need to tell the audience that its production of Romeo and and Juliet includes suicide. Okay, but Romeo and Juliet has been in your Netflix queue since 1596. (laughs) You've had 400 years to prepare. And also, (laughs) it does kind of give away the ending. I don't understand how a society that's so in love with spoiler alerts can also be into trigger warnings. Tell me what's going to happen, but don't tell me! (laughs) And again, all the research shows that these trigger warnings don't even work. What they do is reinforce the idea that trauma is central to your identity and that you should let it define you instead of dealing with it, dispatching it, and moving beyond it. People wonder why the younger generations have so much anxiety. It's this stuff. Lots of stuff makes us uncomfortable. You know what makes me uncomfortable? This bullshit. (laughs) People 
People who start every conversation with, as a person who, <laughs> as a survivor of, I'm triggered every time I see a trigger warning. <laughs> because I'm reminded of how weak my country has become. It's like wearing a mask on your mind. We keep finding out about new health problems kids have from being locked inside for three years, exposed only to filtered air during the COVID era. Turns out that's not healthy. But, you know, there is an alternative way of dealing with anxiety. And let me put it in comic book terms so the kids can relate. (laughs) Bruce Wayne, you're familiar, was afraid of bats. So what did he do? He became Batman. (laughs) That's the way to go. Because, honestly, we cannot go any further in the other direction we've been going in. We've already passed the point of parity. A student group in Australia recently called for trigger warnings on eye contact. Even the Taliban are okay with eyes. (laughs) (sighs) Eye contact? Were you traumatized as a child after losing a staring contest? (laughs) What's next? Trigger warnings for conversations? having everyone walk around with name tags that say, Hi, I'm Dave. Please don't bring up doorknobs. (laughs) I'm Josh. I have a drug problem and a hairy back, so don't mention cocaine bear. (laughs) All right, that's our show. We'll be at Bally's Lake Tahoe, March 11th, Golden Gate Theater in San Francisco on the 12th, and the theater at MGM National Harbor in D.C., Washington, April 22nd. I want to thank John Heilman, Russell Brand, and Bernie Sanders... Now go watch Overtime on CNN tonight at 11.30 or catch it Saturday morning on YouTube. Thank you, folks. Okay. Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10 or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.